It is uh, super cool to me how the Lord orchestrates our meetings. Um, everything that has been happening this morning in the Spirit is, ties into what the Lord has laid on my heart, which is good because I was probably going to take like 45 minutes, and since the Lord did so much, I can whittle that down to about 40 minutes. Um, it's funny, I'm going to share uh, out of Amos, I'm going to kind of get through it pretty quick. The Lord has been speaking to me for the last few months out of Amos, and every time I come up to share that with you guys, the Lord like changes direction. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this, and then we're going to get into the, uh, the meat of what I think the Spirit is, is talking to us to, about today. So Amos uh, was a wealthy sheep herder. He was not a shepherd. He owned the flocks. He owned uh, the fig tree orchards or whatever. He was a wealthy guy. He lived in Judah, and the Lord called him to prophesy in Israel. Uh, he was not a prophet. He would say later in the book, I'm not the son of a prophet. I do not come from the school of the prophets. I'm just a guy raising sheep. And the Lord said, go and prophesy to Israel. And so he goes down to Israel and uh, we see kind of a cool, if you read through the, the first and part of the second chapter, uh, the way, I know I've shared a little bit of this before, so bear with me, but the way that he gets the attention of the Israelites is he goes into a main area and he starts preaching against their enemies. And he uses this pattern. Uh, so, for instance, thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. And then he goes and says, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. And he goes into judgments of each of these. For three transgressions of Tyre and for four. And if you read some scholarly uh, opinions on Amos, the thought is that he was using this pattern and people were getting riled up and getting excited because somebody was preaching against their enemies and he uses the same pattern so most likely the people begin to chant along with him, right? For three transgressions and for four. And you kind of see this picture of all of these Israelites uh, in the, maybe in the city center or at the gate or in the temple area. Uh, and then he goes through the Ammonites uh, he goes through Moab, uh, and then he says, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, and the next thing he says is for three transgressions of Israel and for four. Remember, he's preaching to the Israelites, and so he, he used this method to get a bunch of people in front of him, and then he starts predicting and prophesying judgment on Israel. In chapter three, he lays out the case that the Lord has against Israel, and there's a few things he mentions. Uh, the first one, and one of the main themes, is the oppression of the poor, which is a major theme in the prophetic books of the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah hits it really hard, Jeremiah. What was happening was the Israelites had created a culture where they could be the children of God, right? They were the Christians, and they used that status to oppress the poor and the needy. And so they made it so that all of the people had to come to the temple to pay their fines, and he's, he calls them out for that. You drink wine from, that you bought with money that you find the poor with. Um, so it's, he lays out this whole case. And the, what it really comes down to, 
uh, is idolatry. And we tend to think of idolatry as the worship of other gods, which it is, but it's actually, oh, there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, if you read through the New Testament, I'm sorry, the Old Testament, I'm, I'm going to make up a number, right? I, just from my reading the Old Testament, I'm going to say 90%, okay? It's a lot of the judgments that the Lord pronounces against Israel is because of idolatry. What you don't see, except for a couple instances, is the Israelites completely abandoning the worship of Yahweh. What they were doing was they were mingling the worship of false gods with the worship of Yahweh. They were not only worshiping false gods and abandoning Yahweh. They were mingling the two. And we know from archaeological digs that the temple that is laid out in Leviticus and in the, uh, the Tabernacle of Solomon, we know what the dimensions are and we know what it's supposed to look like. And in archaeological digs, it doesn't look like that because what happened was they started adding rooms to the temple or to the tabernacle and they introduced sexual sin, including homosexuality, into the worship of Yahweh, right? Not apart from the worship of Yahweh. They said, this is part of how we're going to worship Yahweh. Um, and they, they profaned the name of God. He says that a lot in Amos. You profaned my holy name by mixing the culture of the world with the culture of righteousness, and you mingled the two, and you said, I want to have it both ways. I want to be able to please my flesh. I want to be able to gain riches and wealth and status, but I'm still a Christian, right? So uh, what happens is Amos, in chapter 7, he's laid out the case of the Lord, and then the Lord begins to give Amos visions of judgments. And it's really interesting. The first one is uh, locusts. This is what the Lord showed me. Behold, he was forming locusts when the latter growth was just beginning to sprout. It was the latter growth after the king's mowing. And when the locusts had finished eating the grass of the land, I said, oh God, please forgive. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. And the Lord relented and said, it will not be. That's not going to happen. So then he shows him another vision of fire. It says, the Lord was calling for a judgment by fire, and it devoured the great deep and was eating the land. And I said, O oh Lord God, please cease. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. And then the Lord relented and said, it will not be. Chapter 8, um, verse 11. So the Lord says, I'm going to judge you by sending locusts. Uh, and Amos said, please no. And he said, okay, I'm, I'll relent. I'm going to judge you with fire. Amos said, please no. The Lord said, okay, I'll relent. And so the judgment that the Lord hands down, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. The punishment 
and discipline for idolatry is a famine of the voice and presence of God. I've heard uh, a lot of people teach on idolatry, and one of the common things we hear is idolatry is anything that we place above God, and I don't think that's 100% true. That's obviously idolatry, but I think idolatry is anything uh, that we put on the same level with the Lord or that distracts us from the Lord. The mingling of the culture of the world into a life of righteousness is idolatry. And that looks different today than it did in the days of Amos because we're not making idols, we're not, uh, we're not worshiping in the temple and doing all of these uh, religious acts and acts of worship and things like that. And when I was talking to the Lord about this um, word, because that's, that's just a small part of what I, I think he was saying, he took me to 1 John and... Uh, I was like taking all these notes on 1 John, like, oh man, this is so good. And I was getting like kind of, you know, I've got a word, this is good, good job, Drew. So the Lord uh, humbled me really quickly and basically, uh, who was it, Brian last night told me I was, I was plagiarizing God. Um, so what I'm going to do, this is a little different, so please bear with me. I'm going to read the book of 1 John. All five chapters. If you are ever sitting around like, you know what I need right now is a little conviction from the Holy Spirit, read 1 John. (laughs) Um, What I want you to pay close attention to, uh, starting in chapter 3 especially, is the amount of energy and time and the phrases that that John uses to talk about loving one another, which is where where we're heading So, this should take about 10 minutes. That which was the word from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. 
Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is the new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for, the, for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away, along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that, the anti that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is in the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. No one who denies the Son, sorry, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or knows him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because he keeps his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in, has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishments, 
And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. In this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love also his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, and that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask God and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Okay. So there's a connection here with 1 John and Amos and the reason that I felt like I should read the whole thing. Thank you for keeping with me. Isn't it interesting that John writes this whole letter and there's two or three themes, right? Abide in God, love one another, don't love the world. And he just like pounds these themes over and over and over and over. Love one another, abide in God, don't sin. And then he ends this letter, keep yourselves from idols. This is the only time in the letter that he mentions idols. Isn't that interesting? Abide in God, love one another, keep yourselves from idols. There's a divine mystery that happens when we come into the family of God. We become one with Christ Jesus. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. I know it's true because the Bible tells me it's true. I am one with Christ Jesus. All of you are one 
with Christ Jesus. And when I neglect the body of Christ, who is in Christ Jesus, I am committing idolatry against Christ Jesus. When I look at myself and I start becoming concerned with my needs and I start becoming concerned with my life and I neglect the concerns of you all and the lives of you all, I am committing idolatry and I'm opening myself up to a famine of the presence of God. I want to give you an example of this. We were, uh, on, uh, we were out of town a couple weeks ago and uh, big family vacation. We, so we missed church one week and then before that we were like getting ready for this big trip and first time for the boys on a plane and all of this stuff. And then we get back and I've been gone for a week. So my work emails, it's stupid, right? So many emails and so much to do to try to get caught up uh, after missing a whole week. And uh, I am, I'm an introvert. I like and prefer mostly being by myself. Um, and the more that I'm by myself, the more that I want to be by myself. And so we have this big trip and it's so much fun, right? But it's family vacation and you're still, still parenting. I love my wife, Sam, I saw that. I'm, you're still parenting, right, on family vacation. You don't get a, a break. And so even though it's like this fun vacation, you, I'm tired. And I even told Kyle, like, I want to go home and sit down and read a book by myself. And I did that. And this is a normal practice for me. And here's what happens. I need a little bit of me time. So I go and I get by myself. A little bit of me time. I go and get by myself. And maybe it's good, maybe it's relaxing. And then I think, that was so good, I'm going to do that again. And then after like a week or two weeks of this, I start noticing, man, Lord, I haven't really been hearing you lately. And then I get a little depressed. And I start thinking of all of the things wrong with me that is preventing me from having communication with the Holy Spirit. And so then because I'm depressed, no, I don't want to be around anybody. I need to be by myself more. And it's this vicious cycle and it like goes and goes and goes until eventually my wife says, go hang out with your friends. Get out of this house. So this happened, right? And it actually started happening while we were on vacation. I was like, oh, I need to be alone. I just need some me time. And then we get home, like, I, we got home Saturday afternoon. I'm like, oh, I, I don't really want to go to church tomorrow. We just need to chill. But we come to church. I don't really talk to anybody. We go home. And I sit down outside, and I'm reading. Anyway, and I realize it. I know what's happening. And so my thought is, I, I need to get around the body. I need to be around the body. But I don't really want to. And so I'm debating on whether or not and then I get a text from Brian Palzer. It says, hey, you want to come lift weights and hang out tonight? And yes, that's exactly what I need. I tell Kyle, I'm going to go hang out with the guys. There's a few of us. And here's what happened. I'm driving over there feeling this like meh, depression. I'm not depressed, whatever you want to call it, right? Just feeling distant from the Lord. And I get out of my car and right after me coming up the driveway is Jonathan Brickley. 
I kid you not, he gets out of his car and my heart just like leaps. Oh man, I'm so happy to see you. And I give him a hug and I'm just filled with joy and that anxiety and that famine is gone right away. And instantly I'm, I feel like I'm back. And then we go in the garage and Brian Paulser, and I don't know if you've ever been hugged by Brian Paulser, but there's a lot of muscle there, you know? So when he hugs you, it's like tight, right? Whoa. And he hugged me. I'm like, oh, Brian, I'm so happy to see you. I needed to see you today. And we're hanging out. And then Thomas Kellenberger walks in. And we're all, Thomas Kellenberger's here. And we're all excited to see Thomas. And we lift weights. And we go and sit on Brian's deck. And we just begin talking. And I say, guys, I need, to, I need some advice, right? I've got this stuff with work. And it's been bogging me down. And I need you to speak into it. And so we speak into it. And then somebody else says, look, I need to confess I've just had this heaviness and I'm overwhelmed right now and I'm tired and I just need rest and we begin to prophesy over that brother. And you know what happens is he has an encounter with the Holy Spirit, right? I had a word for him that there was, I mean, it was the Holy Spirit said, Drew, say this. And I said it and it was amazing, the ministry that came from that. So I would have robbed him of that if I had stayed by. I would have robbed myself, right? It's interesting that there is a connection between abiding in God and abiding in the world that is fellowship with the brethren. We need each other, guys. And it's super natural. Have you ever heard this or maybe thought this? I love that person, but I don't really like that person. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's not how it's supposed to be. This is the body of Christ. I interact with you. I'm interacting with Christ. It's supernatural. It's incredible. And this is what prevents a famine of presence in my life, a famine of the word of God, is being around the body of Christ and saying, I need you right now. I need a touch from the Lord right now. I may be annoyed with you or I may not want to be around you because of my own stuff, but I'm going to step out and say, will you speak into my life? This should be the relationship that we all have. Am I saying that the people in this room should be your best friends? Yeah, that's actually what I'm saying. You should be, this is, this is our community, right? It's not exclusive. And I don't know a lot of you very well, some of you not at all. But what Jonathan was saying, I walk in here on Sunday mornings and my heart leaps and I'm so excited to be around the body of Christ. I saw Levi this morning. He was walking away from me. I was like, I just have to put my hands on him. I just need to touch him. I'm so excited. Dennis, love seeing Dennis. Every Sunday, there's, there's Dennis sitting there, the body of Christ, an example of faithfulness. <laughs> when we neglect the body, we are committing idolatry against Jesus Christ. And we are opening ourselves up to a famine of the voice of God. What, 
What I would like to do, we're going to kind of wrap this up. Is Luke in here? Maybe not. Savannah? I want to have a quick, well, maybe not quick, but I want to do a little ministry. Um, If I could get uh, some of the elders and their wives up here. Look, it's not, I'm asking for elders. That's not because elders are more special, right? It's a biblical model. And I think there is, this is heavy on the Lord's heart because there's healing around this that needs to happen. And it's a biblical example to have elders and church leadership lay their hands on um, you for healing. And what I would like to ask is if this resonates with you. And you would say either I struggle with connecting with the body of Christ because of my own stuff, um, because I have a hard time with personalities opposite of mine, or I have a hard time with political, but whatever it is. Or if you would say, I feel like an outsider in this group. And I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. I would invite you up for prayer. And lastly, if you would just say, I need a touch of the love of God in my life because I'm feeling a little dry. I'm feeling like I'm in a little bit of a famine and I'm not hearing the voice of God and I'm not experiencing his presence. Look, I do this sometimes with my super patient wife. I'm a words of affirmation guy. And sometimes I'm just like, babe, will you just say something nice to me? <laughs> Not that she doesn't, right? <laughs> but I'm like, and I'm like, will you just affirm me? I don't know why it's kind of silly, cheesy, but it, it builds me up. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need that from the Lord. Lord, I just need a touch from you today. I just need some affirmation. I just need to feel your love because I'm feeling a little dry. So I'm going to pray. And if you need prayer, I want, I just invite you to come up. And look, if you're, if you don't need prayer and you, you have a word for somebody, please get up and share it. This is not, because they're up here doesn't mean that you guys don't do ministry, right? You're still very much involved. Um, but I'm going to pray. And if you want prayer, I would just invite you up. Otherwise, after I pray, you're dismissed and can be first in line for the food, um, and we won't judge you. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would move now among your people. Lord, we pray for an end of the famine of God, or the famine of the presence of God, that we would be a people who are so uh, in love with the body of Christ and that we can't wait week to week, that we need interaction throughout the week. Lord, I pray that the work that you're doing here among us, which was shown this morning, or that we would be even a tighter knit family, that you would continue to bring us close together, Lord. Lord, I know that every person in this room that is in you is part of the body of Christ and that I can interact with you by interacting with them. Lord, we pray against the lies of the enemy 
who of course wants to divide us because of this supernatural truth that we are the body of Christ. Of course he wants to divide us. And pray that you would bind his lips and that our ears would only be open to your Holy Spirit, God.